Welcome to another episode of the The Four Persons Inc. is a federally registered and licensed 501c3 charity. Any use of any of our content without our permission is prohibited by law. Our purpose is evangelization, education, and social action. Please go to our website at thefourpersons.com or our blog site at thefourpersons.net to make your tax-deductible donation by credit or debit card. You can also send a check to The Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. To contact us, send us an email at email at thefourpersons.com. Listening to the Four Persons Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number Again, it's John, you had a lot of wind coming through. <laughs> um, so we're going to be discussing the Eucharist, and I'm just going to open up with a, a brief prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls unto heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um I'm going to bring in uh, Jeff, and uh, Jeff has a, a very interesting story. Right now, um, well, I'm just going to let Jeff get into it, and then uh, I'll give a little bit of history, and I have Deacon Denny on as well, and we'll do a little bit of a discussion. Uh, Jeff, you want to go with your story? Yeah, of course. My name is Jeffrey Fisher. So, um after having some of kind of kicking around, because, I mean, uh, currently the world is kind of in a, a very weird place, and I'm trying to find my spiritual, uh, I guess, spiritual home. And uh, I turned to a guy named Father Mark. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the poor man uh, passed away a few months ago. He was uh, – uh, he uh, got into a, a motorcycle accident, and he died. But prior to that, some of his homilies were the most inspiring things I've ever seen. So Terry and I had some conversations, you know, as um, uh, on the weekends, you know, as we were kicking it around uh, after uh, eating barbecue. 
And uh, one of the first ones I talked about was uh, the fence. Father Mark talked about, um, this is the 17th uh, week at Ordinary Time, is Matthew 13, 44. And he talked about straddling the fence. You are either in or you're out. There's no in-betweens. And that one really kicked my butt because, you know, if you think about it, most of us Catholics, are straddling the fence. We never really, we never really pick and choose what's good. We kind of go with the ebb and flow of the world, and a lot of times, you know, we'll we'll pick and choose some of our battles, but other ones will will allow them to kind of go astray, and we kind of just ignore them, you know, and just kind of let them pass by. But then, his next homily, his next homily was fear and trepidation. So he told a story about a guy named Skinny. He was bullied and beat up and rejected by his classmates. He would go to the fire department and he would have his dog, uh, they would watch his dog while he would go to school and then he'd come back and he'd be all beat up and he'd have nothing but bruises and, you know, just he was messed up every day. And one of the firefighters uh, uh, took him under his wing and started, you know, showing him how to defend himself. Well, he got to the point where he was standing his ground, and uh, the firefighter asked him, you know, what? <laughs> why do they call you skinny? He's like, it's just been my name because, you know, I've just been this small. And uh, he says, what's your real name? He says, it's Marion. He says, <laughs> he says nah, you're going to take your dog's name. So this guy's name, or he gave the guy, uh, his kid, the name Duke. And if you guys can already figure out, it's John Wayne. Fear of losing your soul to the devil. Hmm. So the knowledge, you know, like uh, acknowledging Jesus in public, showing that you're Catholic, doing the sign of the cross in a crowd. Do we always do that? Do we pick and choose when we want to do that? Do we do it in our in front of our friends? Do we do it in front of uh, <clears throat> uh, just normal strangers? Uh, he also brought up the thing where they asked a whole bunch of Catholic students in Catholic school, "What's your biggest fear?" And it was doing a sign of the cross in front of a crowd. What have we taught our kids? It's fear. What are we fearful of? What is the thing? That makes us so fearful of our faith. Why are we scared of our faith? Especially receiving Holy Communion. You know, I mean, every every hour of every day, manna falls from heaven. And it's been set up that way by our Holy Father. You know, all throughout the world, you know, we are celebrating the Mass every hour of every day. Every, you know, from, from the beginning of Christianity, we have received the Holy Communion, manna. Now, how do you choose to receive your Holy Communion? And as Father Mark said, he said, I'll come to any, I'll, I'll bend and choose the whatever you want, whether you want to place it on your hand, on your tongue, while you're kneeling on your tongue. But he will say, or he did say, that, have you ever noticed what's on people's hands when you give them the host after they say amen? A lot of times it's dirty grease, dirty grime under their, hand, under their fingernails, in their hands, maps of where they're going to go, you know, and directions on where they're going to go after the mass. A lot of times it's just a whole bunch of squibble marks of what's going to go on throughout the day that they need to get accomplished. Now, Does that seem right to you? You are receiving an unblemished host, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, God, on a dirty hand. And it made me think. Back in the old days, and I don't know if they still do it. I mean, I I don't remember my baptism, but I sure hope they did. They would bless the tongue. So literally, you're taking a, a blessed host, from a blessed hand to a blessed tongue to receive the Eucharist. That's Jesus Christ. The most important thing in our life. 
Receiving the Holy Communion any way that you choose, so be it. But is that the way you respect Jesus Christ? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. And Jeff, what did he say about, um, like in the Bible, I remember that, that homily myself. He said that whenever people would approach Christ, they would, you know, prost- they prostrate. They would bow. Yeah. They, and that, that, that was my next piece to that, yes. It says everyone who believed in Jesus at the time uh, was, would, would either uh, genuflect, bow, or lay, their, lay prostrate to him. I mean, is that the way that, uh, that we feel about him now 2,000 years later? Uh, <laughs> he's just as profound as he was 2,000 years ago. Yes, he was flesh and you could touch him but he's still performing the same miracles. He's still within our lives. He's still filling our lives. The question that I have is that do we as Catholics still believe, you know what I mean? And what do we need for an awakening like I had where at first, you know, I, I question, you know, uh, what, what is heaven? What is hell? Is there even hell? Is there even purgatory? For the longest time, I had the hardest time of kicking around purgatory. But it's all starting to come to light. And as I grow spiritually, the the biggest thing that I'm starting to see is that the reverence for Jesus Christ has fulfilled my soul to the point where I can't deny it anymore. Uh, Everything everything about Catholicism is being revealed to us, and we either choose you know, whether or not to uh, uh, receive it or not. And what's blowing my mind is, you know, as the world's getting tougher, offering up your, your trials and, 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 you know, your rough times to him has become easier for me the more and more that I've grown in there. And it literally brings the life. Everything that he said about, Stop walking in fear and intrepidation and start living right. Start following him because literally he will reveal himself to you when you start following him. And Father Mark, you know, I mean, here's one of the crazy things that, you know, after he died, a lot of, and I'm going to, I'll say this with a lot of the, the, the priest in Ohio, a lot of their, homilies are kind of hmm, kind of lacking, you know, and not really feeding you what they really need to feed you, you know, especially with the people that are hungry. I mean, I think we are hungrier now than we've ever, ever been for Jesus Christ, and we're not getting fed. And I think that uh, Father Mark's homilies, you know, and I mean, it, I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, I'll find another person, you know, to to listen to that will feed my soul the way that uh, Father Mark did. But uh, that one was pretty profound. I mean, extremely profound to the point where I will push people out of the way to get to the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so and, before before that homily, um, and and I'm sure it's the same with everybody, but. Um, did you think that, um, what did you think about the difference between uh, receiving in the hand and receiving on the tongue, or did you ever even consider it? I was a cradle Catholic, Terry. <laughs> I was total cradle Catholic. So what I was told, I did. You know what I mean? It was the only time I was really told to take it on the tongue is when you couldn't do it with your hands, you know, i.e. holding a kid. Uh, you know what I mean, or you know, a broken appendage or something. I was always told to take it in the hand and get out of the way. You know what I mean? You didn't even really need to make the sign of the cross or any real reverence after you received Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's kind of how a lot of RCI classes and, and uh, uh, catechists is, 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 is happening nowadays. Am I right? Absolutely. That and and you know, I mean, even confession. Confession is another one that is really not something that's pounded into our faith. It's literally like, you're you're good. 
you're good, you know, just, just confess it to Jesus Christ. But that's another one that's growing on me. I've, you know, I mean, it's, it's really hard for a man to bring himself down to telling his transgressions to another person, uh, you know, especially of a man's stature. And that one is another one that's really like kicking my butt right now that I'm, I'm, I'm getting myself into, but it is, it's becoming, it's coming to light a lot more than it is. It, it, it has. Well, Jeff, what I would like to do is give a, a little bit of, of history and, um, <clears throat> The because like you said, now it's taught. Um, the song I was playing before the show started. In that song, one of the lyrics is, "In my hand I hold my guide to eternity." Because when I was brought into the Catholic faith, I was taught as if that is the only way to receive. Now, a priest, the the the, the church allows it, and so a priest cannot. Uh, disallow it, right? Um, what the church permits, a, a, a priest cannot, um, you know, in, say that, that a person can't do it. But I wanted to go through a little bit of history and, and show people um, the practice of receiving Holy Communion in the hand. It, it first began um, in the early 60s, primarily in Holland. Uh, shortly after uh, Vatican Two, due to the escalating abuses in certain non-English-speaking countries like uh, Belgium, France, and Germany, uh, Pope Paul VI took a survey of the world's bishops to ascertain their, their opinions on the subject. And on May 28, 1969, the uh, Congregation for Divine Worship issued um, uh, Memorale Domini, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, um, which concluded, from the responses received, it is thus clear that by far the greater number of bishops feel that the present discipline, i.e. Holy Communion on the tongue, should not be changed at all. Indeed, that if it were changed, this would be offensive to the sensibility and spiritual appreciation of these bishops and of the most of the faithful. After he had considered the, the um, observation and the counsel of the uh, bishops, the Supreme Pontiff judged that the long-received manner of ministering Holy Communion to the faithful should not be changed. It should only be on the tongue. The Apostolic See then strongly urged bishops, priests, and the laity to zealously observe this law out of concern for the common good of the church. Despite the vote, in 1969, Pope Paul VI decided to strike a, a compromise with the disobedient bishops, again, in Belgium, France, Holland, uh, those countries were were receiving in the hand um, in contradiction to what the, the Pope and the church had said. Um, so he, he decided to strike a compromise with them. Uh, given the gr gravity of the matter, the Pope would not authorize communion in the hand. He was, however, open to bestowing an indult, an exception to the law, under certain conditions. First, an indult could not be given to a country in which communion in the hand was not an already established practice. Second, the bishops in countries where it was established must approve of the practice by a secret vote and with a two-thirds majority. Beyond this, the Holy See set down seven regulations concerning communion in the hand. Failure to maintain these regulations could result in the loss of the indult. The first three regulations concern respecting the laity who continue the traditional practice of receiving, kneeling, and on the tongue, maintaining the laity's proper respect of the Eucharist, and 
strengthening the laity's faith in the real presence. Now, <clears throat> this was still not done in the U.S. In 1975 and again in 1976, Archbishop Joseph Bernadine, the president of the Nat National Conference of Catholic Bishops, attempted in vain to garner a two-thirds of the bishops to vote in receiving communion in the hand. Twice, it was, it was, he couldn't get the votes. The following year, which coincided with the end of Bernadine's term as president, brought one final attempt. Bernadine appointed Archbishop Quinn, who became Bernadine's immediate successor as the uh, NCCB president to be the chief lobbyist for communion in the hand. During the proceedings, a brave bishop requested a survey of the bishops be taken throughout the United States. This survey would ask each bishop whether or not communion in the hand was widely practiced in his diocese. For without the practice current wide use, the first condition of the indult would not be satisfied. Therefore, there would be no need to take a vote. Um, <clears throat> though his request was seconded and supported in writing by five other bishops, Bernadine had the motion dismissed as out of order. The bishops then voted only to once more fall short of the two-thirds majority. This, however, did not end the matter. Bernadine decided to begin gathering absentee votes, which was an unlawful practice um, from any bishop he could find, including retired bishops who no longer administ uh, administered any diocese. Consequently, the number was adjusted to meet the two-thirds majority. So, We've got to ask now, you know, so it was, I believe it was July 1977 uh, when they got their two-thirds majority, uh, sent it to Rome, and from Rome got the indult that is in practice today. And um, now we've got to ask ourselves um, about Pope Six regulations that re could result in the loss of the indult, um, not because we're trying to get it overturned or anything, but just to understand is was what did the indult follow the prescriptions that the Pope who gave the indult say that they should follow? Um, the first, respecting the laity who continue the traditional practice of receiving kneeling and on the tongue. Now, as y'all know, I, I have the opportunity of traveling all throughout the United States. And so far, I have only been denied communion one time, and that was in Tupelo, Mississippi. I've received uh, in several places, uh, you know, weird looks and uh, pauses and stuff like that, but I've only been denied once. However, I have heard of people being refused refused to receive on the tongue, especially during uh, during COVID. Um, the second one was maintaining the laity's proper respect of the Eucharist. And, um, well, I mean, that and the, the third one, uh, which was maintaining a belief in the real presence, those two, I believe, um, and this is the reason why I believe that um uh, we we see a lack right in the 1950s i think it was 80 something percent of catholics believed in the real presence and the last uh uh pew poll or poll uh said that it was we were down to like 30 something percent and i think what's happened is those kids from the 70s and the 80s uh when this became uh a norm, um, and remember, it, it, it's not supposed to be a norm. This was supposed to be an indult, which means you can receive 
either on the tongue or on the hand, but on the tongue is the norm. But kids begin seeing their parents receiving on the hand, not kneeling, no reverence, um, and as they, in, in their stages of growing up that, that were, you know, most influenceable, uh, they weren't, they weren't shown that the body, blood, soul, and divinity, that this is really Jesus Christ, that people are falling on their knees in front of him. And I believe, personally, that's why the lack, uh, there's a, such a lack in the belief of the real presence. Deacon Denny, I, I know you're chomping at the bit, ready to jump in. You, you got anything to say, brother? Deacon Denny? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah both um, both ways of receiving it are accepted by the church. The important thing, though, is making sure whether you receive it by hand or receive it by the tongue. Um, the the important thing is is a couple things. One is having the right attitude and the acknowledgement of the truth upon which that sacrament uh, portrays, and that is that it truly is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Number one. Uh, number two is what are you supposed to do with it? What is it supposed to it's supposed to cause some change in you? If it's if you receive it and it doesn't make a difference, then don't receive it. You're receiving it unworthily. The idea of to receive the uh, the communion, the idea that's supposed to cause a, a profound change in our hearts and minds and especially in our soul. It's supposed to be food for the soul, just as food. Like T-bone steak and chocolate cake is food for the um, for the body, uh, but the, the important thing is that it makes a change and that we realize what it truly is. Because if we do that, if, if and we're one of the uh, unique uh, church traditions, the Catholic Church is that actually believes that it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. If if we truly believe that in our heart and mind, that means that not only does God His promise to Jesus made when He was here. He promised us that he would never abandon us and never leave us orphans. He would, he would never um, abandon us. Well, so that means that he not only um, walks with us wherever we go, but through the, through the, the his body and receiving his body and blood of Jesus Christ, by receiving that, not only is he with us, but he's inside of us. And he goes where we go. He sees what we do. He hears what we say. He's there always. And that can be, a, if we really think about that and, and meditate about it a little bit, um, that can guide our thoughts and our deeds and, and uh, you know, give us the self-control when we feel tempted. It can give us the strength to um, to stand up for the Lord. I think one of the, the biggest sins that we're making in the world today isn't that we're, you know, sins of commission, you know, lie, cheat, steal, fornicate, adultery, whatever. Those, those are sins of commission, of, a, of an act. But I think the more serious sin that is committed in our world is the sin of omission, a sin of apathy. You know, and in in Matthew 25, he said that um, um, one of the four requirements of salvation is, uh, well, okay, let's go through those. One is baptism. And uh, the church knows of no other way to assure assure the opportunity of salvation and assure is a big word there to assure salvation is other than through baptism that being said once you've received baptism can you throw away that salvation yes you surely can you can you can reject the message that follows with that, that baptism we can say thanks but no thanks god don't need you in my life don't need you in my family my family's healthy i got a good job and have a nice car and i got a nice house i don't need you in my life and that is that's um at that time the, when, some, when the devil hears that, he starts dancing with joy because he's just got another another soul for hell. Because a, re, a rejection of the message of Jesus Christ and his salvation, his redemption, is a sure way to get to hell. The second thing that we need is, is the practicing of the living the faith through the practice of the sacraments. The regular reception of, of the, the Eucharist, of his body and blood. That nourishing the spirit with this ongoing um, uh, attending mass and receiving the uh, receiving communion, uh, receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, he says, you know, in, Ch- in John chapter six, if you do not, uh, if you not uh, drink my, drink my blood and eat my uh, flesh, you will have no life within you. 
But he says those that do, even though they die, they'll have life, they'll have life eternal. So that's a, that's a promise of that we will we will live in the kingdom of God after this one, uh, through the reception, the continual reception of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But then the next step is is also what, what difference does it make? Well, the difference is that Jesus said that um, he doesn't say to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give drink to the thirsty. No, he says I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was um, I was naked and you clothed me. I was um, sick and in prison and you visited me. Those those things uh, what we're called we're not asked to do those things. We're commanded to do those those things and to do them often. And as a result of that, we will inherit the kingdom of God. Those that don't do that, that don't do that, do not inherit the kingdom of God. That's chapter 25 in Matthew. And then lastly, Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And so that's the way that we, that is the way that we get um, to heaven. Not that we earn our way into heaven. No, that, that, um, that grace um, is um, continually given to us. But the beauty and the source and the summit, it says the source and summit means that it's the central piece of our faith, the Eucharist is, and it's the highest thing we can, we can actually encounter because we encounter Christ, true presence, his body and his blood, his soul and his divinity. Um, Let me ask ask you, Deacon. Um, So, like, and this is how I try to describe it uh, when I'm I'm talking, because I know what you, like, you're you're a deacon of the Holy Catholic Church. And so, um, obviously, the church now says you can receive either on the tongue or in the hand. Um, Just like um, I'm right-handed. Now, I can use a hammer in my left hand, I, I can do that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not the most efficient way for me. Just like somebody with a left hand trying to do it with their right hand, it probably wouldn't be the most efficient way. But if Jesus appeared right now to me, what would probably my first reaction be? Well, my first reaction would probably be to fall on my knees and say, my Lord and my God, right? Um, I'm sure everybody can agree to that. Uh, hold on, I think I got Larry on. I'm going to bring Larry in, too. Hey, Larry, are you there? All righty. Um, so my, my question is this. Do you, Jesus Christ, when that bread and wine is consecrated and it becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is truly present in front of us. The greatest miracle of all time. I mean, this is greater than Lazarus being raised from the dead. And Jesus Christ said, I will always be with you. And this is how he does it. Do you? Hey, Terry. Yeah. Hello? I'm here. Okay. Hello. Um, yeah. So Jesus Christ is physically present in front of us. Um, mm-hmm. From your experience, Deacon, and I know, I know because you're uh, um, ordained minister in in this church, uh, you, you've got a, you've got a. Obviously, you can receive on the hand or on the tongue. But which do you think is is more reverent? And and do you think that? Uh, the irreverence has led to a lack of belief in the real presence. Now, the, the, okay, you're mixing stuff up here. The, it, whether you receive it on your hand or receive it, it's not, that's not the reverence. The reverence comes from the heart and the mind and the, dis, the attitude of the receiver, the, 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 the tools, the hands, the hands and the, and the mouth. You know, Jesus, I mean, not to get pedantic here, but the, um, at the Last Supper, he, none of those guys received uh, – the body of Jesus Christ on, on the tongue. All of them. Yeah, were they, they all, all of them were apostles. Yeah. And That's I mean, right. if you listen all, to, uh, I think it was uh, Pope John Paul II who said, uh, "How eloquent, therefore, even if not of the ancient custom, is the rite of the anointing of the hands in our Latin ordination, uh, as though precise, precisely for these hands." a special grace and power of the Holy Spirit is necessary to touch the sacred species 
and to distribute them with their own hands is a privilege of the ordained. So the the, the apostles were, you know, they had that privilege of the ordained. I'm, and I'm not saying that uh, it's a sin to receive on hand or anything like that. What I'm saying is that if Jesus appears right now um, and I my first instinct is to kneel to my Lord and my God. Um, he does appear to us. Why would I not kneel to him? That's when not the question you asked. Okay. It, well, That's the question. So do you, you would, believe surely would, you, would, you would reverence, surely you would reverence, you would reverence the, um, um, if, if he actually appears, in um you know if you can actually see him that is that's what you're saying the idea of uh, having people kneel and stand uh the the problem with doing that in is more of a mechanical thing if you're, you're bringing people up to the front and people are kneeling and then uh, it, it's, it's always a problem with that but now if you want to reinstall the um like the communion rail is what you're getting at i'm guessing that's what you want well, to well, reinstall that yeah, well, is that what no, you're getting I'm, at or? No, I'm just getting at the the, the difference. Um, so, uh, going back to the the, the polls that were taken, is, that, that shows how drastically the belief in the real presence has dropped. And I'm trying to connect the dots, right? Um, if kids seeing their their parents do the, of course, it's all about the heart, right? But a child seeing their dad kneel and and you know, out of reverence, receive the Holy Eucharist on his tongue. They know something special is happening, even if they're not mentally able at that point in their life to understand what it is. They they understand that to their daddy, this is something special. Whereas today, when you got people going up casually um, and receiving in the hand, you know, some people are reverent, some people aren't. Um, and going back to the pew, uh, it, it just doesn't have the same effect. And again, now this this indult happened in 1977, and um, I'm trying to connect the dots to where if receiving in the hand or receiving on the tongue, um, which is more uh, beneficial to the to the to the faithful and to the church, especially the children watching. You know, there's, there's the the tongue is. According to St. James, the tongue is the probably the dirtiest thing we've got. The filthiest thing comes out of our mouths, not out of our hands. And just so just, we, just to clarify, you you've <laughs> baptized you've baptized people before. Do do we still bless the tongue uh, during baptism? We, we bless them. We, we bless their words that come from the mouth. Yeah, it's called the um Yeah, we bless bless the lips. Bless the lips. So I guess that's blessing the mouth, and the tongue is in the mouth. So that's, yeah. I mean, I um, if if and and where the thing falls apart. If you said in 1977 uh, is when we started receiving on the uh, yes. in the hands that was uh, the church was falling apart. States. You know, it was dropping like a gut shot pigeon in the 60s, way before 76 and 77. It was going way down, and it was going down because of the. Um, uh, well, because contraceptions were, were contraception was brought in, uh, that means you didn't have to really be married. Um, divorce rates skyrocketed among the, the the Catholics and the non-Catholics alike. There was no di- measurable difference. So as the as the family fo- fell apart, uh, so did this idea of reverence, the idea of reverence, the idea of um, and to children, um, and mom and dad are going, both going to church now. Mom and dad are getting divorced. I think a little one, especially and that's a little one, like a teenager, could come to the conclusion that uh, what difference does this church stuff make? Uh, and I'm, I'm going beyond, you know, a little bit of the culture there. But uh, the, the the one thing is, as the church declined, uh, in, and reverence was one of the elements that it declined, but attendance it dropped off too. But as the as the church declined, the culture basically morally declined too. Um, uh, well, incarceration rates went up uh, one one thousand percent. Ten, tenfold in 30 years during that time. Uh, right, the, right. Uh, so, you know, all kinds of, and then like um, uh, abortions kicked in, you know, they're legalized, and you know, all these things that were morally, moral declines, uh, divorce rates skyrocketed, 
all these things were moral declines as the church declined. And now, but I can't, I can't say conclusively that the reason that church declined is because we started receiving on the hands because that came later. But I think it was right, uh, based right, on right. introduction no, no. of contraceptives. Well, let, let me the, ask you this. The beauty, the, that's a sadness, but also a good thing, a good thing as when the church uh, renews and refreshes and starts taking its mission and its role in the community and in the world. Uh, not that it's going to be of the world, but it's in the world, but not of the world. It's got to be the the messenger and the prophet to the world to, to show the way, the truth, and life that Jesus showed us. We need to show others as we get as Jesus is truly known to us through his sacraments and this church. We need to make him known to others, and we got to do that over and over. We got to do it not only with our words, but in our actions too. We got to be oh, on the I, front line. We got to be in battle. So anyhow, I'll be quiet. I agree. Yeah. No, no, I agree 100%. Yeah, that's, so this discussion is for real Catholics that go to church every Sunday. Um, you know, and that's what this discussion is for. Um, because, I mean, like you said, you can receive on the hand or you can receive in, on the tongue. And a lot of people receive reverently in the hand. When, because, I, like, before I knew anything about, the, you know, uh, the history or, or, or how um, what I'm doing can affect somebody else. Um, I, I received on hand because it was the only way I knew that you could receive. I, I thought receiving on the tongue was kind of nasty. Uh, and that's why I didn't do it. Um, it wasn't until I started looking into it that I, I realized that um, this this is Jesus Christ. This is the way the church did it for, you know, over, you know, a thousand years. And uh, even though a lot of other people don't do it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, um, and so now that I, I've been doing it, I, I do get questions from other Catholics. Oh, why, why do I receive, why do I kneel down and receive on my tongue? And uh, I get enough questions to where I wanted to do this show. Let me ask you as a deacon. And you I mean just if somebody comes up to you and receives communion and um they uh they fall down on the knees and receive on their tongue um you as as the one uh, ministering the Eucharist, um, do you, do you, of course you can't read the heart, but do you get a, a more sense that they, they are being more reverent than somebody who just comes and sticks out their hand? Well, really, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what they think. If they feel that, um, um, if, if they feel that God is calling them to do that and they're being faithful to to that calling and the responding in in a faith in that way, then that's that that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But likewise, you got people that are very reverent. You, you got a lot of people that are very reverent as they present their hands for uh, communion. Right. Um, the point the point I guess I'm trying to make here is how you receive it. You know that that's that's how God God calls you to do that. But what's, I think, as important, if not more important, is what do you do with this precious gift? Do you take this gift? Does it become part of you? Do you realize that whatever struggles you face in life, whatever pain and suffering you know, you're, you're facing or struggles or depression or addiction or whatever it is that you're facing, what temptation you're facing, that God is with you, not only with you, but he's inside of you. He lives within you through the sacrament of the Eucharist. And that's if we come to that realization, if we're just if it just rolls around in our mind, at least we know that we're not facing uh, we're not facing the the struggles and the pain and the suffering in the world alone. We're never alone. God is with us, and he, He's with us. He's in us. And I think that's if we if we receive with that attitude, that's the important attitude that that we're called to do. Now, yeah, someone if someone comes down and is very reverent, I, I acknowledge the reverence, but it's not that doesn't. The thing is, it has to be doing something for them, not not for uh, for me. It's for them, and that if they're receiving the uh, 
you know, now there's some, some priests argue, I don't, I'm not a priest, but some priests argue that you're only supposed to receive it, you're only supposed to receive it the same way. But then we had COVID came along and that kind of kiboshed all that because there were some people that want to receive in the tongue. Well, they had to go to a separate Eucharistic minister to do that. And so it was all this, um, this additional, and then the person that gave them, gave them the, uh, the, uh, on the tongue had to then sanitize their hands before they could give the next one on the tongue. So it was, it was somewhat of a, um, a complicated process, but it, it was done that way and for, for health and safety. Um, but anyhow, yeah, I'm, it comes down to the attitude that they approach the altar with. Right, right, right. That's, and that's I and I guess that's, that that is uh that is a good um takeaway that yeah because and I, I think many people just don't know because almost every RCI class throughout the United States right now everybody is taught the correct way to receive is is on is in the hand. And and uh, and many people aren't even exposed to the the you know the teaching that the normal way to receive is actually on the tongue, and so yeah, it does. Where the heart the heart is the most important thing is is why are you receiving? Are you properly discerning the body and blood of Jesus Christ? And, and I think I think you you're hitting on the. You're hitting on the root cause. You're hitting on the big question is, are my hands clean? Is my tongue clean? Those are secondary issues to, is my heart in the, in the proper state of grace to receive this precious sacrament of God? Am, am I, is my heart, is my soul in the proper, uh, and that, then that opens up, you know, if, it, if the question, that question should be asked way before I receive communion. Yes. And if I'm not working, and I'm, or I'm, I'm not in a state of grace, then I have to do something to get in the state of grace. And then I have to come to that conclusion. Do I want to be in a state of grace? Is it that important to me? Well, hopefully people are saying most assuredly yes. So the idea that's working where confession kicks in, the sacrament of confession, to to go and give a sincere and truthful and honest confession to a priest. And um, when you walk out of that confession, you are 100% concrete, guaranteed, and assured that you have been forgiven from, forgiven by God. And then, then you can wholeheartedly receive uh, Jesus Christ uh, in either the hand or the, or the mouth or in the tongue, and, and then and then you can do something with it. You've got God living in a in a clean vessel, um, and well, ready to go out and do do His work. You know, Jesus said, "Come follow me." Fourteen times the gospel said, "Come follow me." And the reason He wanted us to follow Him, He wanted us to be like Him. He wanted us to know Him and be Christ to others. So, you know, the, the idea of simply ABC, always be Christ, always be Christ in what we say, always be Christ in what we do to everybody, you know, believers and non-believers alike. And if, if the, and the receipt of the, the communion is the, is the powerful food that, that fuels that engine, that spiritual engine that can motivate us to do that. Now, if we're receiving it as kind of as, um, I say, we're checking the box, uh, and, and, you know, punching the, the clock. Then we got to go back to confession and confess that we're, we're receiving it the wrong with the wrong attitude. It, it's right. not so much the hand, the mouth, or the tongue. It's the wrong attitude. We can never take it. And I think what you're getting at here is that uh, uh, people have lot, um, are not they're doing it casually. And, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. casually where it looks looks almost sloppy. Well. And if you want to get into reverence of the church, you know how people show up at church in flip flops. Uh, cut off shorts and a tank top for uh, for yeah. Saturday night mass. Well, we can talk about that too. But the right, idea is, right. we're, you know, think of you're coming in front of a, I don't know who would be, you know, uh, we don't have a king in the United States. But let's say, you know, coming before the president of the United States, are you going to come before him in flip flops and tennis shoes and and dirty hands and shake his hand? Hi, how's it going? You know, and hey, we, would, we would we would prepare yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah proper dress right? well for jesus we need to spiritually prepare to receive him and i think that that really needs to be emphasized as well is that during hey, the during think, uh, we have the scripture i think uh larry wanted to say something oh. well, jerry i do have a question i i'm sure 
Uh, you're kind of breaking up. You're not very clear on me. Okay. Uh, so you guys are aware we are in the second year of the Eucharistic revival. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. So, so what is the purpose of this uh, Eucharistic re- revival, um, other than to reflect on the source of summit of the Catholic Church? And I understand completely that. Uh, uh, what Dick and Danny is saying about receiving on the tongue or the hand, but because of the indult, I think that we've come to an area that people don't believe anymore that it's real presence because of that. So how do we how do we come about? How do we get back to to um, let people know this is this is a body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I think that's the bottom line. So. And what I'm trying to say, Jerry, is that I totally agree that the more reverence we, we we have in receiving, whether it's on the hand or the tongue, it's how you present your hands. Now, in the Catholic Church, there's a rubrics for everything. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a rubrics on how to receive. It's, a, it's a, You have your hand as a throne, left hand over the right hand. And that's never talked about. And, and so if we want to receive it on the hand. I think maybe we should start from scratch and say, hey, this is the way you receive. And, uh, I, you know, I've got a guy in my prayers that's uh, very adamant about uh, the adult the adult thing. And uh, he's he's been, you know, he's been uh, very adamant about trying to persuade people to receive it kneeling and on the tongue. And so, I mean, he's... He, this is a great subject to have, I think. But uh, anyway, your, your thoughts. Well, I know um, when my wife was going through RCIA at St. Maximilian Kobe, they did teach that of, of how to make your, your hand like a throne for, for Jesus Christ. Um, and so, so it just depends on, on where what diocese you're in, what parish you're in, because um, the... Too many times um, during uh, catechesis, um, the the whole truth isn't 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 being given to the to the to the people coming into the church. Um, so I think what's necessary is for men um, to be vocal about it in public, um, and not just at church, but when we go to if we go to Applebee's for lunch, we should be talking about it. And if the waiter or the waitress happens to overhear the conversation, invite them over and allow them to join. Um, I, I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, Jesus is my Savior. And I just drove from Ohio to Georgia. And everywhere I stopped, I wanted to make sure that I uh, – that I, uh, um, that I got involved with a conversation with a complete stranger and, and, and share the, the truth because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I would deny you before my father who is in heaven. But too many times we try to say that, that our, our religion is personal, that, you know, that we're not supposed to, you know, make public uh, pronouncements or, or be public about our faith. But that is a lie from the devil. We should always be public about our faith. And and whenever we're talking to other Catholics, like you said, this is the source and the summit. This is the center of what our entire faith revolves around, is the, is the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So before we can discuss um, about what vestments the priest is wearing, we need to make sure we understand the Eucharist. And it's going to take men to be courageous enough to have these public conversations um, with other Catholics they either know or don't know and, and, and make sure that, that everybody understands that in order to be Catholic, in order to be Catholic, you must believe that the Holy Eucharist is the source of summit of the faith. 
Just like you, you, you must believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. These are things that are required to be Catholic. And, and to not believe makes you not Catholic. Um, so, yeah, we've we got to have Jerry, those conversations. St. John Paul II, uh, he, he quoted that uh, with that there would be no Catholic Church without the Eucharist. Amen. And I thought that was a profound statement, very profound, that uh, we didn't have the Eucharist, there wouldn't be no Catholic Church. So uh, how we how we how we portray and uh, receiving the Eucharist, uh, very devout uh, reverence takes a you know. I, I think my problem is what happened. What happened? That the Pew Research that they the Pew Research came up with less than thirty percent believing in real presence now, something went awry, and so um, and that's what we're trying to bring bring back. And I think that's what the um, Eucharistic revival is all about. Hopefully, well, remember uh, Jesus told his apostles, "I will be with you always until the end of time." And this that's true. Is- this is, this is, I mean, at every mass around the world, this miracle is happening, and and Jesus is with us, um, in a way that his apostles couldn't comprehend. In John chapter six, uh, when Jesus, when all the people left him because he, he of his discourse, when he said, "I, I am." The manna come down from heaven. He who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life. And everybody left him. And he turned to the apostles and he said, uh, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. They still didn't understand the Eucharist, but they knew that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah. Where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. Now, we don't understand this right now, but I'm sure you're going to bring it to us, you know? And... And I think this was necessary. Now, I, I, I wanted to do this show uh, because I personally feel like once a person becomes aware um, that they they should be uh, receiving, um, if they're medically capable, on their knees and, and on the tongue. Um, I think that this is the most reverent way to do it. I believe that this also sets an example. And I, I understand what Deacon Denny is saying about it's the person's heart. And that's true, because if your heart ain't right, you shouldn't be receiving anyway in, 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 in any manner. You shouldn't be receiving if your heart isn't right. What I'm saying is that my example is for all the little ones watching. I don't want to be a stumbling block for anybody. I want everybody to know. When I go before our... Uh, the Eucharist, I'm kneeling before my Lord, my God, my my Messiah, and my King. Um, we got like a minute before uh, before we've got to go off the live and we can go into the archives. Deacon Denny, can you close us in a quick prayer? Yeah, I was trying the St. Michael prayer here. In the name of the Father, oh, and the okay. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Michael, the Archangel. Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. the Holy Amen. Spirit. And look, this is one thing I want to leave everybody with. Christ can't be a part of your life. Not even the most important part. Christ has got to be your life. Just like the Eucharist is the center focus of the entire church, and the church revolves around that most blessed sacrament. Jesus Christ must be the center of our life, and our life must revolve around Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And stop apologizing for your faith. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All yep, right, man. That's 
Let's let's do the the sacramental confession next time, man. I think that'll be a good one. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll work hey, Jer- Go hey, ahead. Jerry. Yes. Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, it's, uh, uh, don't give up on me. I am going to still try to come up with some names to send to you uh, to get on the air. I just, I've been just over overbearing with work and what have you, and we're, we're doing back-to-back uh, Kobe retreats. Uh, but uh, just bear with me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what I can do. Uh, try to get some guys on the radio for you. All right. Yeah, I would love to hear some some testimonies of of of, uh, of some guys who who found the light and are living the light. You know, um, that's my prayer every time I go to mass. When I receive the Holy Eucharist, I said, Lord, you've come into me. Now allow your light to shine through me onto everyone I come into contact with, because I, I was a I was a force for Satan when I was living for Satan, and now I want to be a force for God as I'm living for Jesus Christ. You know. What, yeah, what a blessing! What a blessing! Yeah, that's, that's what we're all called to do. So, all right, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Oh, yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.